0: is the talking dead a podcast dedicated to the amc tv show the walking dead hello everyone my name is chris and my name is jason and this is the talking dead number 531 recorded on tuesday may the 11th 2021 Welcome to the show, everyone. I gotta say happy birthday to my kid, Isabel, who turns 12 tomorrow. Nice. Very exciting. She won't hear that, but you know what? I'll tell her to her face tomorrow when we wake up. (laughs) Whether she likes it or not. That's right. Whether she likes it or not. I'm going to say it right to her face. Right in it. Get right up in there. Uh, yeah, so that's happening this week. Otherwise, you know, pretty normal week. Jason, how how's your life been since last time we spoke?
1: Uh, been about the same, I guess. Everything's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I remember being 12.
1: 12 was, uh, 12 was
0: fun. That's when you, what were you doing when you were 12?
1: When I was 12, uh, what grade is she in? That might help me a little She's bit better.
0: She's finishing grade six.
1: Oh yeah, grade 7. Grade 7 was uh was a whole boatload of fun, for sure. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. <laughs> it was a boatload of fun, but I can't talk about any of it. <laughs> yeah, it was about, it was about the time I started smoking. Oh really. wow. Yeah. So,
0: take that. <laughs> take that lungs
1: and <laughs> everything else. Oh, I've, yeah, I've been uh, I've quit smoking like 17, no. Like 14 years ago well so it's been a it's been a while it's been a while. I miss it every
0: single day, but yeah it was around around your daughter's age that I started smoking okay well i mean you're you're better off for having quit i I don't think anyone would die that, but uh there you go awesome okay well, uh welcome to the show, everyone. We are here to talk about the most recent episode of Fear the Walking Dead, but first, I want to. Read this brief email from Andy, or well, you know what? It was a message on Facebook, but Andy writes, I want to know why we don't report ratings for Fear the Walking Dead. Well, good question, Andy. And uh, I think the answer is just that it comes down to our format for the podcast when we cover fear is a little bit different from the main show. And I think I'm just kind of stuck in my ways. I didn't really. I'm, I'm We probably have talked about the ratings for Fear before, but once I forget to do it, I just kind of continue to forget. I think so. That's yeah, well, that, that's really the only reason. Short short answer:
1: You don't care. Uh, no, it's not
0: that. It's that I have a short, poor memory. I think that's more what it is. Oh, well, there you go. Well, having said that, I'm going to remedy it right now. So we're going to do a little quick recap on the ratings for Fear the Walking Dead, starting with season six. Episodes one through seven had average viewers of 1.36 million per episode, and that is within a range of episode one having 1.59 and episode seven having 1.09 million. Right. Okay. Once we came back for episode eight, which was the door, and that was the death of John Dory, if you'll recall, Mm -hmm. that one had one point one seven. Episode nine called things left to do. That was the death of Virginia. That one had 1.12 episode 10 handle with care. That was the one about Daniel losing his memory. Mostly that had 1.1 million. And last week's the holding had 1.03. Declining slowly and very close to that 1 million mark is where, Mm -hmm. where we're getting.
1: That's fine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm not really analyzing it at all, but uh, just to get caught up, we started at 1.59 for episode one and are down to 1.03 at episode 11. I'll be curious in a couple of days um, when they put out the ratings numbers for this week's episode to see if we are at still over 1 million. It will be an interesting number to read.
1: I think it will. I, I think they will be just over a million.
0: It could be just sitting right on that million mark if the trend sort of continues. But I mean, we dropped 700,000 between 10 and 11. If we drop another 700, we're below a million. Uh, yeah, I would think so. So uh, that's that's where we're at. I'll try to remember to to update those as we go through the rest of the season. But thanks, Andy, for pointing that out, uh, because I do I do like watching the trend a little bit. So I don't know why I forgot. I just did. Alrighty, well, speaking of this week's episode, it's Season 6, Episode 12. Stars shining bright above you, night breezes seem to whisper I love you, birds singing in the sycamore tree, in dreams. The song took a turn there at the end, I think. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Thank you, Jill in Chicago, for sending that title read. It is, of course, In Dreams. It's episode 12. And let's dive right in. This one focuses mostly on Grace, Jason, and her her birth experience. And it depicts this experience in about 50% dream sequence and 50% real life. Yeah. In real life, we have Grace unconscious while Morgan is trying to get her to June because she's in labor And needs to deliver this baby. And in the dream sequence, it's Grace, basically 16 years in the future, interacting with her daughter and old Morgan. Old, old everybody. (laughs) Old everybody, yeah. But I'd say primarily old Morgan. Uh, Her daughter, at 16 years of age, is called Athena. And she is played by an actress named Sahana Srinivasan. Uh, I hope I got that right. Now, I didn't recognize her at first, but I looked her up on IMDb, and I actually have seen her in something before, even though she has acted very, very little in the past. It was a kid's science show called Brainchild on Netflix, and a few years ago, my kids watched it a little bit, and as soon as I that popped up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was her. She was the host of the show. And it was just a science type show. It was, it was okay, I thought. Cool. Um, but now she's obviously getting dramatic acting roles, which was probably her goal all along. So congratulations to Sahana for that. I think, and maybe we'll get into it more, but I think she was pretty good in this episode.
1: I think so, too. I think... Uh, uh- yeah, I thought this, overall, I thought this episode was, was pretty good. As soon as I saw her on uh, on screen, the first time I saw her and swinging that stick around, I'm like, oh, it's Morgan's daughter, obviously. Well, yeah. Uh, and
0: we're in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see someone with that kind of stick and using it the way she does, pretty clearly, at least trained by Morgan, right? So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious to me. Well, let's, uh, so let's start with the dream stuff sure it is it begins anyways with a rather optimistic take on the future of this group i would think the the community seems to be thriving everybody that we see is still alive you know daniel and strand are friends again which is nice yep daniel's giving him a haircut dwight and sherry are together and now have a family you know a couple of kids that's something that we well, I didn't really see coming um, because Sherry seemed to have no interest in getting back together with Dwight. I thought all this was actually really nice,
1: <laughs> you know. It was. It it did seem very ideal and very uh, pinky purple, and uh, everything was kind of pinky purple. What, what color is that? Is that mauve? Well, it's not good with
0: colors. I I would have just called it pink. Um, which you know, I mean, there were you're referring to the pink plants and the pink trees all over the place, and yeah. I thought it looked nice, but I must admit the second time I watched it, it I thought it looked kind of fake. Like it was obviously just an effect they did in post, they painted all the trees purple or paint It was very uh what dreams may come. You remember that Robin Williams movie? I I'm aware uh, of he it. Was- I don't know. If he I've was in seen a. Uh,
1: oh, you, you should watch it. It's really good. But he's in basically a painting, right? And uh, with all the all the acrylic colors mm-hmm. kind of blending into each other, it was very uh, very vivid and striking. And uh, as soon as I saw, it, like, I'm like, that's a lot of purple or a lot of pink or whatever yeah. fucking yeah, color yeah. that is. And I'm thinking,
0: oh, this is a dream. It's got to be a dream. Well, um, it's got to be because I started wondering: Are there really? flowers or plants like that, that, I don't know, bloom or turn that color in Texas for a certain part of the year, you'd think I would know that, but I don't think it's a thing. I think it was just painted that way for the dream.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, uh, usually in the summertime, when Jasper asked me about, uh, you know, what kind of plant is this or what is that uh, in the backyard? My answer is green thing, green thing, pink thing, purple thing, green thing, green thing, yellow thing purple thing, green thing. Yeah. And that's as far as I go uh, in identifying plants.
0: <laughs> By color. By, yeah. And and mostly, most likely a thing. I, I I just hope someday, Jasper, you do that and he turns back to you and goes, Dad, I could categorize them like that. <laughs> uh, maybe, but uh,
1: his mother is much better at actually identifying things. And he's better at it too. Like we're using plants and he identified the flowers on his plate. Uh, and he's, he pointed and said, what kind of flowers are on your plate? I'm like, flower, 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 flower. I don't know. Yeah.
0: And then Jenny went and identified them. Well, that's good. It's, it's nice that, uh, you stick, keep her around to identify the plants of the backyard.
1: And colors, quite frankly, cause I'm mm. not
0: really good with colors either.
1: So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a hard time between pink and purple with this, uh, with the background of this, this, uh, this show. But, uh, yeah,
0: it was very, um. Striking this color uh, everywhere. It was, yeah. Now I think there was a reason for it, right? It was, it, it was to me it, because this was a dream sequence. It was kind of Grace's subconscious doing a gender reveal party for her, right? They were. Oh, yeah. It was her subconscious trying to tell her that she was having a girl. Um, and I, I honestly don't think there's much more to it than that. They needed to separate out the dream sequence from the real life visually, so why not do it with colorful pink trees. And as a bonus, you know, indicate that, that she's having a girl.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sure.
0: I'm not sure there was much more to it than that, but I did think it looked kind of nice and definitely striking, like you said. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought everything was kind of just pleasant at first in this future. And it was nice to see everyone thriving so much. And we had old Morgan, we saw old Daniel and Strand. We had, 16 years later, grown up Charlie. I thought that kind of stuff was sort of fun. You know, it was good. Um, But Paul in Melbourne, Australia, he told me to pronounce it that way. He wrote, poor Lenny James, having to play Morgan as Morgan Freeman cosplay (laughs) with a wig from the reject shop, which is apparently an Australian version of like a dollar store or sort of a cheap novelty store, uh, Paul says. And he goes on, why did the older characters age, but Charlie didn't? Apparently it was 16 years later. What's going on? Who knows? Yeah. I I thought, well, I mean, first of all, old Charlie or adult Charlie was played by a different actress. It wasn't the same yeah. person. No. Uh, but yeah. But everybody else was the same actor, just made up to look older, right? They were. Yeah. But I mean, I, is Paul saying, why did they use a different actor for Charlie or why did Charlie look the same age? Because I don't think Charlie looked the same age at all. I thought that actress actually was a great choice for an older Charlie mm-hmm. to me. Anyways, anyways, just to clear that up, Paul, it was Mary Catherine Duhon playing Charlie instead of the uh, Ms. Nissenson, whose first name I can't say because my stupid smart device beside me will start up. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I thought it was fun to see the older characters, even though it was mostly just Morgan and June that we got an up-close look at. Daniel and Strand were a little more in the background, right? So the dream sequence, Jason, other than all that, um, dream sequences can go one of two ways. They can be really cheesy and dumb, or they can be all right and give us a glimpse into something that we might not otherwise get to see. Right. And I think this episode mostly falls into the second category because it gave us a glimpse into Grace's mind, her hopes and her fears for her child. And I guess kind of her desire to see what becomes of her baby. Yeah. You know, and I thought, I thought overall, I thought the episode did a pretty good job with that for the most part. What did you think of the whole, concept of the dream sequence in this episode and and what it was doing for the plot and for the characters.
1: Well, I thought that the reveal of the fact that it was a dream sequence uh, was earlier than would have been normal for, or what I've seen in past television shows and movies, where you, know, you watch a movie and it turns out to all be a dream sequence at, at some point and the mm-hmm. big reveal at the, it's a big reveal at the end, at the climax of the, of everything. But we got that early, right? We understood that it was a dream sequence early on, which I yep. thought was nice. So I think overall, I think it was handled very well. Uh, you know, I, I was able to point, figure out that it was a, a dream sequence fairly early on. I think it was right around when Morgan didn't recognize her and that she was, Dead and yeah. I buried you myself," says Morgan. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I believe Morgan, that uh, he buried her. And if nobody remembers her, uh, this ain't real. This can't be real." Yeah, so that's I thought right. they blended reality, like how they showed that it wasn't reality, and how they blended it uh,
0: was fairly well done. I I think so too. Uh, and and the point is, I think that the fact that it was a dream sequence wasn't the twist, right? It it wasn't they they weren't trying to hide that from us and then reveal at the end, oh my god, it's a it's a dream. Right. That was never part of it, which I appreciate. I I think it would have cheapened it a little bit if they'd done it that way. But having it be what it was, where the point of this was more to like I said give us a glimpse into Grace's mind, not hide the fact that it's a dream and use that as a twist. I think that's something good that could be said about this episode and uh, good on the writers for, for going that, that route. But you're right. It's clear fairly early that what we're seeing is, is not real. Yeah. Um, and then once we do realize that it's not real, I thought, and in fact, Grace, the character even realizes it's a dream. Like she, she knows what she's seeing isn't real. I thought they did a really good job in depicting her confusion about it all well too, you know, she's hearing Morgan's voice, that scene out, um, where it's just, where where it starts with her and Morgan and Athena out together, and then Morgan kind of disappears, but Athena's kind of circling around her, repeating herself, pointing to the wall, pointing to the same direction over and over again. Um, and I just thought the way that was filmed, and the confusion that it caused for Grace, again, was really well done. And all of this is while Grace is kind of realizing what she's experiencing.
1: Yeah. Have you Have you ever had general anesthetic? Ever been under, uh, um,
0: fully under? Not since I was a kid. Knock on wood. Hopefully I don't need it anytime soon.
1: I've read somewhere that uh, coming out of you know general anesthetic is uh, it's not just a matter of waking up; it's a matter of your brain trying to figure out how to be conscious again. Uh, so that this kind of thing, I think, happens all the time when people are waking up after surgery. Uh, it's just, there's, there's lots of confusion and your brain is like, whoa, I don't know what's going on anymore. And it's just trying to, it's like, oh yeah, I need to do this. Oh yeah. I should plug in the ears. It's like, right. I can see, I should really pay attention to what's going on there coming in from that information source. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's all kind of figuring out. So that's kind of what I was seeing here was there was lots of confusion and she's, you know, snippets of what's happening in reality. She's going from an unconscious state to a conscious state, uh, and there is a lot of confusion involved in that. Uh, I've never been under general anesthetics, so I I don't have uh, that as an experience, but that's what I've read somewhere or listened somewhere or seen on YouTube, (laughs) because, you know, I get a lot of information from YouTube lately. Sure. Uh, But, uh, so that's what I was, uh, you know, my this is what I was thinking when this was happened was that, oh, she's figuring out what's going on in the real world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's also been tropes about that in television and movies where, uh, you know, people are unconscious and ha- are in their reality and information comes into that unconscious world from the conscious world and uh, to mix
0: in weird ways. And so, yeah, I was...
1: It was a bit, a little bit tropey, but interesting at the same time. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. I think, I think it was a fairly unique way of depicting that. And the only time I was under general anesthetic was when I had my tonsils out. I think I was 11 years old. And I remember, uh, you know, I remember being put under, like the moments before I went unconscious, Uh, the doctor, I was lying on the hospital operating room and I had my feet crossed, like my ankles crossed. And the doctor had to tell me, uncross your ankles. And he got me to start counting. And a second later, he had to tell me to uncross my ankles again. It seemed like a very reflexive thing I did. I just kept crossing my legs. Right. And then the next thing I remember, I woke up in some kind of recovery room. And then I don't really, I didn't, can't say I had an experience exactly like what you were describing, but I do remember waking up feeling like I should still be asleep. And I tried to like lift myself up and I did a little bit and I looked to my right, I think, and I just saw a couple other beds with people in them. And I was in some sort of recovery room, they call it. And then I immediately just flopped back and went back to sleep. And then when I woke up after that, I was in a normal hospital room. Uh just recovering, I suppose. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that was that was my experience. You know, the show I think they did a great job depicting the confusion that Grace was experiencing and, you know, her brain figuring out what was going on. But um I would say that's a pretty good analogy you you have there, probably. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. You'll have to go under general anaesthetics someday and see what it's like. Probably. well hopefully for a positive reason and not a negative one uh what else we all we learn through this dream sequence and through some of the things morgan talks about in this episode that it's althena or athena i shouldn't say althena it's a mixture of you know althea and athena Uh uh it's athena that was the sort of galvanizing force, I think, for this community in this dream future where she was born, everybody rallies around her to create this successful community. And because they all thought that she'd be sick because Grace was exposed to all that radiation, it was a motivating and uplifting thing that she wasn't. Um, and I thought all that was really inspiring, to be honest, right? Like to have these characters have this baby be born and that's what pushes them through to the next level of rebuilding society.
1: Yeah. I, well, I, oh I, I, yes. Okay. That, would, that was a, that's a nice ideal, but not really. Right. It, but it would never, I don't think it would factor into reality uh, at all. I mean, it's a nice idea and lots of people, you know, have babies in order to fix relationships and usually that doesn't work. So having a baby to fix
0: a society probably isn't the best idea either. I understand, Uh, but she didn't have the baby specifically for that. It's just, that's what she did. And I understand none of it's real. I also understand that we needed to see that to make the impact of what actually happens that much darker, stronger, like whatever. So yep. at this point in the episode, halfway through, whatever it is, and we, we kind of have all this feeling, I was feeling pretty good about things, which was not how I was feeling by the end.
1: No, and that's, you know, that's the point. That's what they were trying to get you to feel.
0: Yes. I know. I know. Exactly. And, it worked, and that's good. That's good, right? It absolutely worked. It worked 100%. Successful episode. On me. <laughs> it did. Um, but. Let's go to the real world, I guess, a little bit. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to point out is I really liked, and it's a stupid little thing, but I really liked how when Grace had a contraction in real life, it was depicted in the dream. She collapses to the ground, you know, clutching her belly. And I thought it was neat that Athena did the same thing. Like she felt distress in this dream as well because she's the baby that is experiencing the contraction and however babies in utero do. So uh, I like that. I don't know why. It was good. It was, it was interesting and good. I liked it too. Yeah. All right. Well, if we go to the real world a little bit, Morgan, as I said, is trying to get Grace to June. I don't know why Grace was, I mean, I don't know why June was so far away when the baby was that close to being born. You think they would have planned that a little bit better? But that's what he's doing. Meanwhile, Riley, so this ties into the overall storyline, which I wasn't so sure they were going to do in this episode, but Riley is pursuing him for the key that we know about from last week. Yep. And I must admit, I'm glad they tied this in. I think if this was all just about um, Grace's troubles giving birth and the dream, I might not have been enough of an episode for me, but they put this Riley stuff in here. It ties it into the main storyline and, um, I really like it. And the fact that they incorporated that car exploding into the dream and that's what happened in real life was another connecting factor between the two that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was good. And when, uh, have you ever seen Jack Reacher, the movie, uh, Tom Cruise? You know what? I started watching it one time. I think I've seen the first 20 minutes or so. I don't know why I stopped. I can't remember.
1: You should watch it. It's a whole series of books, by the way, if you're ever interested in uh, Jack Reacher. Yeah, uh, I remember.
0: But, I remember. I knew there were books. Um, he's done a couple of Jack Reacher movies. Tom Cruise, right? Yes. Yeah. Two. Yeah. There's two.
1: Okay. Uh, th- second one's nowhere near as good as the first one, but the first one uh, I enjoyed, and it reminded this. A scene in here reminded me of uh, Jack Reacher, because when. They attack Morgan, like the group of guys attacks Morgan, and he just kicks the living shit out of everybody. Right, stabs them all in the head; they're all dead. Yeah, and then what's his eyebrows at the end? uh, You know, squares he squared off with Morgan, and he goes after him, like he just he comes after him with a knife. And you're thinking, really? (laughs) (laughs) He just decimated, like killed everybody you were with, and you're still gonna go at him with a knife? Really? That doesn't make any sense. So what happens in Jack Reacher is the same situation, right? Uh, five guys take Jack Reacher out into the alley to, uh, to beat him up. Uh, and then, you know, the leader guy says, you know, it's five against one. It's like, no, it's two against one. I'll beat you up. And then one of your other guys, uh, that's very enthusiastic. I'll have to beat him up too, but the rest, they're going to run. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, there's just nothing like they're just going to run. So it's, it goes exactly that way, except for the last guy. Uh, and he's coming at Jack Reacher and he looks at him and he goes, really? <laughs> like I just did this to all your buddies, and you're still gonna come after me. Uh, so it it just didn't make any sense. It's just there's no way that uh, that he would go at him with a knife. He would yeah. just run away, right? It's just it's 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, Terminator. I'll be back, and then he just <laughs> leaves, right? Right, and then drives through the place with a car. I mean, that's exactly what happens.
0: Uh, Riley in this episode did that. Yeah. Later yeah, on. exactly. So it's basically the Terminator. Well, listen, I totally get that. And I even made a note here. I said, is it a little unlikely that Morgan could fight off all these five guys by himself? Which is not exactly what you're saying, but um, I felt like it, I felt like Morgan would have been overwhelmed by these guys. But at the same time, if he was as, you know, good at killing them as he was, you're right. Riley probably would have just buggered out at the end and not come at him for no reason. And nobody had a gun, Uh, like not one of them had a gun. Yeah, no, of course not. Nobody had a gun, but I did think it was a little unlikely that Morgan, even Morgan, with his expert stick wielding skills, would be able to fight all these guys off. But on the other hand, he is pretty good with that stick, so maybe. Um, But I also, it also occurred to me that, you know, we know he put down his axe, that is a sign that he didn't want to fight anymore. But I guess he put down the axe and picked up the stick because he really kicked some ass in this scene and was still pretty good at it.
1: And stabbed a bunch of people in the head. Like, he didn't just knock these guys out. They're all
0: dead. That's a very good point, too. He killed these dudes. And this is Morgan, who I know has flip-flopped back and forth about life being precious and this and that. But, but he really murdered these guys. And is that, do you think, because he was protecting Grace? Or is he just back to murder Morgan again?
1: He he really doesn't want to give up that key. He thinks that key is like the fanciest key ever. I mean, it's a big, nice key. I mean, if I had a key like that too, I'd want to keep it. But uh, he he really wanted to keep that key.
0: But I don't think he even noticed, knows at the time they're after the key. Uh, like Riley, they talk about it later and Morgan says, what's the key even for? You know, he doesn't know. So I'm not sure the key really factors into it at all. I think he's protecting Grace. and. He is willing to do anything to protect Grace, even murder five or six guys. Yeah, you know, all at once. He's he's a murder
1: hornet. Murder Morgan. (laughs) Murder Morgan. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, well, it's not really murder; it's more self-defense than anything. But it was nice of the guys to attack him one at a time. I mean, if you're going to get into a fight and uh, it's five against one. It's just it's just fair to attack them one at a time.
0: Of course, of course. That's how it works in TV and movies. One at a time, please. And I'll kill everybody in this room. Now, what about, I did think it was really fun to see Morgan doing this in real life and Grace and Athena doing it in the dream at the same time. We cut back and forth between Morgan fighting off Riley and his guys who were living and the two ladies fighting off Riley and his guys as zombies. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed that element it good. to it. It was it was a nice
1: tie-in from reality to dream right it's, it was a, it was a, it was a nice tie-in and uh, you know TV shows often have or movies and TV shows often have things happening at the same time in different plot lines mm-hmm. right have you ever noticed in a TV or, or, or TV show or movies that everybody gets laid at exactly the same time <laughs> uh, no
0: I've never <laughs> noticed that
1: watch that I mean different plot lines going on I mean somebody's having sex over here and somebody's having sex over here but everybody seems to get laid at exactly the the same time, no matter what's going on, even if there are different realities and different time frames, right? Like uh, there's, it's a, it's a flashback versus, uh, you know, current time. Uh, still, sex all happens at the same time. Okay, it's weird. So in this case, uh, it's combat, right? They're having combat at the same time, but it's tied in because we know uh, Grace is trying to pay attention to our. Uh, is able to semi-pay attention to what's going on in the conscious world. Right. So she's incorporating that into her dream.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun to watch. And not only that, but in the dream we have sort of half-zombies. These guys are zombies, but they can talk and think and fight. And they're not whisperers, of course. They're dream zombies, which was, I think, the first time we've seen anything like that on any of the shows, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, no, it it is. It's, it's kind of weird.
0: Dream zombies are worse than real zombies. Yeah, exactly. They, they look gross and they can still talk to you and attack you with knives. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, that was pretty fun. And I guess Riley had to get away in that scene due to plot armor. I mean, Morgan couldn't just kill him and that plot line's over. So
1: I can tell you that if I took a stick in the upper chest like it wasn't just in his shoulder, like that was, that's a, that's he clipped a lung there, right? Like he's, uh, he's out, like, and then in this reality, if he doesn't get to a trauma center in the next four minutes, uh, he's probably going to get an infection and die because that stick is not clean by No, the time it goes in there. It's a big dirty
0: mess. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's dead in reality. Well, he's his totally plot dead. armor is strong because he seemed perfectly fine in the next scene. That's true. What are you going to do? All right. Well, all along, Jason, we are told that Grace is sick and that she doesn't survive childbirth. That's basically what happens. The cancer from the radiation would kill her. And, you know, um, we see Morgan in, in the dream, actually. There's a scene where she's, well, in real life, she apparently stops breathing and in the dream, we're sort of told that she's she's dying. Morgan's even doing CPR on her in real life. Grace says goodbye to Athena in the dream. And then she leaves the stable that they're in, or the the barn that they're in, walks out through the door into this blinding white light, a very common metaphor for death, you know, yep. that we've seen millions of times. And so I thought, well, okay. Another character, Grace is going to die. The baby is going to be born and survive and move on. In fact, though, she's not dying in this scene in the dream. What she's actually doing is leaving the dream. She's waking up because that's the moment where she comes back into consciousness in reality. Yep. So that took me off guard a little bit. I thought Grace was actually dying, and that's what I was expecting we were leading up to, that she was actually going to die. I kind of expected... This dream, not to be reality, but to depict the basics of what happens. Grace dies, Athena is born, and everybody moves on. But she wakes up, she's not dead, and then we have the end. We have the final sequence of the episode after doing all of this lead-up to Grace dying and the baby living and everything being okay, yada, yada, yada. What do they do to us? They completely turn the tables.
1: And they smack you in the face and kick you in the balls.
0: I, all of those things. Just all of those things. The baby doesn't survive, and Grace, in fact, lives. So they killed a baby on the show. I, I didn't mean, think they would they didn't think they would have it in them. I didn't either. I didn't either, to be honest with you. And I, you know, goddamn, it was I was surprised, a little upset, and pretty blown away that the show went there because they really didn't shy away from it too much. They showed no. that dead baby. They, they didn't show <laughs> yeah. the birth, of course, You can't really do that, but they showed the baby. He, Morgan hands the body to Grace and obviously she is distraught, but yeah, they really went there and it was is dark it, it, and depressing and I didn't like it. It's very heart-wrenching, very, very heart-wrenching.
1: And I thought for sure that they would back off at the last second, right? I Every second of what was going on there, I thought, okay, they're going to, you know, uh, she'll be fine. Like, Athena will be fine. Athena will be fine. Athena will be, oh, oh they cut the black. She's not going to be fine. She's not going to be fine.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to think at that moment because nobody wanted to see that. And then they showed it to us and they didn't shy away from it which I was really surprised about. One of the darkest things that any of these shows has ever done, and the shows have done some dark-ass stuff, man. It has done some dark-ass stuff, and this is one of the darkest. And once again,
1: this show, uh, The Walking Dead in general, is hard on little girls. I don't know what is going on in their minds, but uh, they are
0: hard on little girls. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. Uh, I was just focused on, oh my God, they... The baby didn't make it. Like, I can't believe it. So it was really pretty depressing. Um, but I think the real trick they pulled on us, Jason, might be, and I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of this season, but I started thinking to myself that we were shown all of this stuff about Athena being born and her inspiring the community. I said earlier how happy about that I was and how it made me feel. I think the trick they pulled is that even though Athena doesn't survive, she will probably have the same effect on the, the rest of the group, on the people that are survi- surviving. I think they can still derive those things from her death just as much as if she had lived. At least that's It'd what be. I'm telling myself.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you're trying to hang, hang on to hope there, right? Right. Uh, you know, things are still going to be okay, right? Please?
0: Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, because it's, it's it's tough. It's sad, man. Sad, and I it, yeah, it's very shitty. And I didn't like watching it, even though, on another hand, I kind of respect the show for for doing it and not shying away.
1: Well, it's the same with John Dory's death, right? It's uh, you know, I respect them for not shying away from that thing, but goddamn it, you killed John Dory, you fuckers. Yeah, you know it's 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 a double edged sword. So and this one's very heart wrenching, but again, they didn't shy away from it, and uh, you kind of have to respect them for that. But still, it's it's hard. Doesn't mean I have to like it's hard it. to watch. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did, did you have any other thoughts when when this ending just kind of dropped on you? Where were I don't know anything else pop up or come to mind, or did you want to? Well- well, it's just, it's me. I have a
1: hard time with, uh, with babies and shows and bab- babies in peril really mm-hmm. bug me. And, uh, you know, as Jasper gets older, it's more toddlers in peril now that bother me than babies in peril. Sure. But so it was a little, I'm glad that they didn't show this, you know, three years ago. If this was three years ago, I would have rage quit the show. <laughs> like that's it. I'm fucking out of here. I'm not watching this shit anymore. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, Now it was a little bit better. It's still hard,
0: but uh, a little bit better. Of course. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, it's, it's gotta be a rather triggering thing for some people, you know, people in real life, people in real life have gone through experiences like that. I, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's like. I've been lucky enough to have never experienced something like that in real life, but people have, and I God, I wouldn't hold it against anybody who watched that and went, fuck that. Like, I, I can't take this. Yeah, That's a perfectly absolutely. valid reaction.
1: Yeah. You and I, I remember the first day when Jasper was born, the, you know, later on that day, that first day, he's lying in his little, like we're in the hospital and he in his little crib thing, uh, you know, and the sheer terror of that night was, uh, was extremely hard to take. Like just thinking, Oh my God, there's this baby and I'm now responsible for it. But, you know, hope, you know, pray to God that he's going to survive the fucking first night, you know, and it's perfectly normal baby, but just the sheer terror of it, I can see that this being an absolute trigger is just like, no, fuck you. I, for for me if this was uh if this triggered me more it probably would have been uh you know more visceral than just rage quitting the show i probably would have rage quit my computer at that point cuz <laughs> i watched God. it on my computer screen i would have thrown the fucking thing across the room and be like that's it i'm yeah. done with looking at computers
0: yeah it's it's funny how the human mind works a little bit you know like you Thousands of babies are born every day. Thankfully, the majority of them perfectly normal and healthy, yet you can't help but think to yourself, holy fuck, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing and and so much is out of your control and you, and you just focus on those things. But in reality, for the most part, everything's going to be okay, but you can't help but think about what if it isn't, so.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 tough. And that, you know, I think I even asked you does the terror ever go away?
0: And you said not entirely. That's right. Not entirely. And to, to this day, you know, it's, you can't, my kids are old enough now that they go out for bike rides on their own and with their friends and they just, they just go out the front door and leave and come back later. And I, don't, I don't
1: even know how to handle that. I like, know. You have a, and I think I I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's like every moment of every day, I can draw an imaginary line between me And where I know my son is like, he's either with me in the house or with my wife out for a walk or at school or at daycare or somewhere, but I can mentally draw a line to exactly where they are. And the fact that your kids open the door, say, see you later and close the door and you don't know where they are. uh, I'm not sure. I know how to handle that.
0: No, it's, you have to learn how to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I remember feeling the same way. What's Jasper, four?
1: Uh, four and a half. It's almost five.
0: Yeah, I, that's right. His birthday's this summer. So I remember, I remember feeling the same way when you did thinking ahead to like, someday these kids are going to walk to school on their own. And I, I couldn't even imagine it at the time, but yeah. now it happens. And now they go on bike rides and now they stay home alone and they do all kinds of stuff. So you, you figure it out but I get it. It is almost impossible to imagine when they're, when they're that little. Yeah. But that's kind of what this episode did in a way, starting with the earlier scenes of, of Grace meeting her teenage daughter and giving us a glimpse into all of that and then building us up towards this possible future and then kind of ripping it away from us. So god it's it's really quite depressing when you when you put it all like this and on top of it all Jason Riley makes off with the key, so now he has the key to the sub and all of this you know maybe all of this was leading up to that so because now he has access to the nukes and as you said the nukes have to go off and it seems like he's on his path to doing that
1: right well let me let me impart some advice to you Chris sure if you have a key that looks like a uh, a Like, not a normal key. This key is absolutely huge and looks like it's to a lock that is significant and important. Uh, Unless you need the key, don't keep it on your person. Like, because (laughs) you're like the least reliable place for uh, a safe, you know, to carry something safe or for something to be safe. Sure. Like, fucking bury it in the ground stick, uh, a stick in the ground, much like, uh, that guy did in Fargo, uh, where he, you know, he had all the money and he buried it in the snow and he stuck a, uh, a, a scraper in the snow so that you remember where the money was. Uh, it didn't work, but the idea is sound. Right? Sure. It's a good idea if it works. Yeah, don't carry the key around with you, because okay. you, you're just, you're just going
0: to be a target and you're going to lose the key. Well, you could lose it, you could fall down a well, you could just you could just fall out of your pocket and you never know where it's gone. I mean, all kinds of bad things could happen to it, but ultimately Morgan does not, and Riley has the key. So that is what really moves things forward plot-wise in this episode. Now we know he's going to go and unlock the sub and, I don't know, hit the nuke with a hammer and it's going to explode. And yeah blow up all of texas but
1: well that's how you test if a if a round is a dud right you whack it with a hammer and see if it explodes exactly that's exactly what he's going to do <laughs> as far as i know so what Bugs Bunny did, it's the sound, uh, you remember the, the video or he was, uh, or video, <laughs> that movie back in the, uh, the forties or whenever it was, they had an assembly line of, uh, uh-huh. like tank shells yep. or of some kind. And he was whacking them with a hammer and writing dud on them. Yep. The next one would come along, he'd whack it with a hammer and write dud on it, whack it with a hammer. He said, that's the only real way to test if something's a dud. Great job until it's not. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess. If, you, if you're if you going to get somebody to do that, uh, get a rabbit to do it. it. Might as well be a rabbit that can't be blown up.
0: Yeah, cartoon rabbit would be even better. Cartoon rabbit. rabbit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Riley has the key, and that is where we're going to go the rest of this episode. I hope they don't just ignore what happened in this one, though. Like, Grace needs to to deal with this. The show needs to deal with it. And not just be like, oh, we did our dead baby episode. Let's move on to blowing up nukes now and drinking beer, which. Well, yeah, they it would need be something silly. a little happier,
1: but yeah, I, I think that the repercussions of, uh, the dead baby need to, uh, need to appear in the show. Yes, I would agree. And, and, and I was wrong about them never, the show never killing a baby. Like, they're not going to kill a baby. That's just crazy.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, yet here we are. Yep, here we are. Overall, did you like this one? I mean, despite the dark, super dark ending, uh, did you find some stuff to dig in this episode?
1: I did. I think overall I did like this episode.
0: I I did too. Overall, I liked it. In fact, I really liked parts of it. As I said, all the dream sequence stuff and the hope that gave me, and the fact that, that it came crashing down at the end kind of... You know, it doesn't make that better, but it contrasts it so well. One of the things I learned about design back in my early life was that good design can incorporate contrast, where two things are are so different that they're very strikingly different, yep. or concordance or concord, where two things are very much the same or things like something like that. And that can also be appealing. And this episode was definitely contrasting feelings for me. So I agree uh, with that. Okay. Well, speaking of whether we liked it or not, I think this episode was actually pretty polarizing for a lot of people. Uh, I got some emails and some calls from listener, which we're going to go through from some listeners, which we're going to go through right now, but for the most part, everyone was like, man, that was so great. Or wow, that was absolutely terrible. So Let's see how this goes. Jen in California first. She writes, I just can't begin to say how good and emotionally moving these last few episodes of Fear have been. As sad as I would have been at losing Grace as a character, I'm somehow even more sad at the thought of her losing her baby and all the things in her dream. I enjoyed seeing the new world that Morgan had built and the foretelling of Grace's death only to actually be her daughter's was so heartbreaking. I'm not sure how depressed these writers were over quarantine, but these last few episodes make me more sad than hopeful about the future of this cast. I guess the underground others, what are we calling them, by the way? Uh, They've been called the Doomsday Group, just for reference. But I guess they will eventually be defeated, and the never-ending list of enemy groups to destroy just seems to take away from the everyday human experiences that can sometimes be complex enough for good storytelling in this post-apocalyptic world. So good email, Jen. Um, yeah, I, it's rinse and repeat villains do kind of get a little bit tedious over time. I'm kind of interested in what they're going to do with this nuke, but an episode like this that was only peripherally about those villains and mostly about Grace's experience, I do think worked really well and They should do more stuff like this.
1: I think they should too.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, Hootie Perch in South Dakota writes, I swear to God, I may quit watching altogether. Aside from hating, hating everything about this episode, including the pink hue. Thanks writers, in case we weren't sure. Then finally get a chance. They finally get a chance to show a zombie baby. The one thing that would have saved this episode by breaking our hearts and making us care and they don't do it. Instead, we're all just relieved we no longer have to look past the ridiculously huge beach ball baby pillow that Grace has been caressing for all for all this this season.
1: Uh, I don't think they could
0: have shown a zombie baby; that would have been too much. I don't know. Didn't they do that on that other zombie show? Oh my god, Dawn of the Dead. Did they in the movie? In the remake movie, they did. Oh, that's right. And I think they did it in. Z -Z Nation, that's the show I'm thinking of too, but I didn't, I didn't end up watching all of that. I just have this vague recollection. I could be misremembering those, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's been done before. So on other things, so why couldn't they do it on The Walking Dead? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the next frontier. We've had a dead baby. Now we have a zombie baby coming up someday.
1: Well, that'd be a, that'd be a tough sell. I think this, in order to make this uh, emotional point, I don't think that the zombie baby would have made that point. Uh, and it also <laughs> would have been, you know, if it was a zombie baby, fucking Morgan would have had to stab it in the head before handing it to Grace. And that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> far, far too much. I think you might be right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't.
0: Yeah. I don't Here, want.
1: Draw another line in the sand. They will never have a zombie baby.
0: Well, right? you've, you've drawn the line, and now we have to wait for them to cross it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to see a baby be stabbed in the head, regardless of whether it's a zombie or not. Yeah.
1: No, that's too much.
0: I've, I've become accustomed to grown-ups being stabbed in the head. It happens all the time. But is it babies? No, I don't want that. All right, next is Caden in Alberta who writes, these past few episodes of Fear, sorry, these past few episodes, Fear is showing that they're not pulling punches and aren't afraid to kill off some big characters. At this rate, I'm starting to wonder if we could see a really big death in the season finale, like a Morgan or Alicia-sized big death. Maybe not them, but maybe someone else who's been practically bulletproof up until now. But maybe not. Either way, I'm just worried. I think they're stacking the deaths up early in the back half of this season, and maybe there won't be any more as we get towards the end. But the show has been surprising me lately, so I'm I don't think anything's off the table at this point.
1: Yeah. Could be could be anybody. Could be Strand, could be Al, could be anybody.
0: Dwight. I wouldn't want to see Dwight go. June. Yeah. All of them. All right, Jennifer in Minneapolis writes. I get what we're trying to do here, and after seeing all the posts on Instagram, I think the fear creators thought they were doing something amazing by telling this story. But goddamn, I was bored. My husband, who likes this show currently better than the main show, walked out after five minutes to go do something else. Kudos to everyone for the shocker ending, though. It made me cry, even though I thought the episode sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So it couldn't have been all... I mean, I guess making... Jennifer Cry isn't a metric of it being good, but it's got to mean something.
1: It They achieved it. They achieved their goal of fucking, they knew what they were doing, right? People are going to hate this or they're going to love it. Like there's no in between, uh, you know, but they made you feel and that was the point.
0: That's true. That's very, very true. I guess they did totally know what they were doing. Love it or hate it. You're going to have a reaction. And that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's good, I think. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, I got one more email and two calls and they're more about last week's episode, but we needed to follow up on a few things. So the first one here is Jill on the internet writes, posters, Jason, remember posters, Uh, Riley called the zombies posters. She says posters, I believe is similar to John calling them the past. Post is a prefix meaning behind add er's to it and you have another name for the dead posters
1: oh so posters so people from before ers
0: well yes now that being said i think the actual definition or the actual reason comes from this from Shane in the UK who called in with this
2: Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Shane here from the UK. I just want you to drop a quick message over. I've just listened to your latest podcast and you were both wondering why the new group were calling the Walkers posters. And I took this as a shortening of composters as they were composting the dead to make mulch for their vegetables now I could be completely wrong and if I am please feel free to point and laugh at me um but that's the only thing I could think is that they were composting the dead so when they saw them they call them posters rather than calling them composters I don't know like I say I could be wrong but that's all I'm thinking it can be um Let me know what you think because if I am wrong, I do obviously want to be corrected. And if I'm right, I want to get the brownie points for being right. (laughs) So I can't wait to listen to the next show. So until then, take care and stay safe. Bye, guys.
0: Thank you so much, Shane. I got to admit, Jason, I think Shane probably hit it on the head here. So brownie points awarded, Shane. Brownie points awarded. Uh, It plays into the plot of the episode, too, more than posters being a prefix for the past, as Jill said. They're composting zombies, basically, yeah. and that's what it is.
1: No, you nailed it. I wouldn't point at you and laugh. I'm pointing at you in awe. Exactly. It, that's and and every brownie point that I have found in my pocket today, and usually I found some find some brownie, brownie points lying around the house, and I put them in my pocket for later use. All my collected accumulated brownie points from the entire day are going to you.
0: That reminds me of the old When I used to read old Marvel comics as a kid in the back, you'd read the letters and they awarded the no prize. And, uh, I, I always thought I always wanted to win a no prize. It was for, it was for, I think if I remember it was for finding inconsistencies in the story they were telling and pointing them out. And if there was no way to explain it, the listeners would win a no prize. There you go. Pretty sure literally meant no prize. <laughs> you win no prize there you go <laughs> so uh, brownie points and or no prize Shane that's what you get this week good job alright one more here a uh, call from Aaron hello guys this is Aaron from Germany
3: um, I really enjoy your show and uh, has become an integral part of my journey through the Walking Dead universe <laughs> Um. and I really enjoyed the last show about Fear the Walking Dead and just wanted to uh, mention um, concerning the uh, whole embalming procedure that, in fact, they, I think Riley mentioned the actual idea behind this. So he said, uh, You are not going to be a part of our new world. Um, so your interpretation was right and it's actually explained yeah so that's that and another thing um i'm i i do not remember whether you uh wondered about the episode title the holding um but i heard on the talking dead podcast that they were wondering what the title what this name actually means and um it might be interesting for you to know that in the German translation of the title, uh, it is actually implied um, that they are, this name is referring to a holding company and not like something like a stronghold or something. Yeah, so that's all for today. Thanks a lot for your show and uh, I'm looking forward to your next
0: episode. Bye. Cool, thanks Aaron. So the theory he's talking about regarding the embalming, remember I was saying I couldn't really yep. figure out why they were so obsessed with embalming and you threw out the theory that it it takes somebody out of the circle of life. You preserve them as this horrible monster rather than composting them in and, and using them to grow new plants and food and vegetables and stuff like that. So right. um, that Seems to make sense, and Aaron was confirming that. Awesome. And then the title of the episode, The Holding, I mean, a holding company is a company that doesn't produce or sell anything. It just acquires the rights to other companies. I don't know how that really fits in exactly to the episode, but why not? Maybe if that's how they translated it into German, it must mean something.
1: Really? I'm
0: not sure. I I just assumed it was
1: like uh you know the like a freehold or uh you know a town or of some kind. I thought it was using that derivation of the word. Yeah. But I, it didn't really occur to me to care. No. I'm not sure
0: exactly why. I I I assumed it was a little bit more just like like Aaron said a stronghold or you know this is what they called the place where they They lived, I, I don't know, but who knows? Um, but anyways, thank you for the call, Aaron, and for everyone else who called and wrote about these last couple episodes. Uh, that's, that's going to wrap things up here. Just before we go, um, I want to send a thank you out to Jennifer who recently bought a shirt. Jason bought one of our shirts. And she sent in a few pictures of herself modeling it. So nice. I really appreciated that. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for doing that. If you would like a, a shirt with our logo on it, which I don't see why you wouldn't, you can get one by going over to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and clicking on store at the top of the page. And it'll link you over to our T Public store where you can get a shirt with our logo and a specially curated selection of other products from Tee Public that I personally happen to like and I've sort of put on our storefront. So if you don't want our logo, you can get, you know, something with the uh, Serenity from Firefly on it, for example, or a selection of Star Wars yeah. shirts or hats or whatever else they sell. So
1: I bought uh, from from our store, I got the, uh, there's a, you can get a painting, like a, a canvas print mm-hmm. of uh, the Millennium Falcon, uh, like a silhouette of the Millennium Falcon zooming away. I bought that and we recently just hung it up in Jasper's room. It's
0: awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you can check that out. Talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on store at the top. Thank you, Jennifer, for doing that. Other great ways to help support the show are becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dead or making a one-time contribution via PayPal by hitting talkingdeadpodcast.com PayPal. Thanks so much, everyone, for doing that. And thanks to everyone who listens to us every week. Okay, that is the end for this week. Jason, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that, of course, by finding our Facebook page at facebook.com thetalkingdead. You can visit our website and click on send voicemail to send us a message or just record a message into your phone and email it to us. That's a great way to do it. And I always say that I love getting voice messages because this is an audio show and Mm -hmm. the more voices on it, the better, I think. So send in those voice messages. You can do that by email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com for anything you want to let us know about um, or talk about, thoughts on the episode, whatever. When you see the next episode, send in some thoughts and we'll play it or read it on the episode on the podcast maybe good times love it all right that's gonna do it for this week everyone until next time my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening ciao